Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Thanks for joining me for the end of my wide-ranging conversation with singer-songwriter David Crosby about his career, his inspirations, the challenges he's faced over 50 years of making some of the most beautiful and original music of our time, what it would take for CSNY to reunite, and the message he'd like to send to future generations. So you tell the story and remember my name, an amazing story about going to see a symphony orchestra when you were, what, about six years old Mm -hmm. and seeing all the little hands moving together. And it was the collective force of their community and their bonding around music that really reached you and touched you and inspired you. It was that they were doing it together. Yeah. They made a thing by moving together, by cooperative effort, they made a sound that was so big and so beautiful, it was like life-changing. Absolutely. The first huge chords of a symphony orchestra was big, man. I was a little kid. I'd never heard any amplified music. And this was big without amplification. Yeah. This was in a park in the afternoon, and there were 90 of them, and they got big in those first chords. The whole string section hits you like a wave. And it was stunning. It's it's not the first music I remember. Uh, the thing in our house was every Sunday they put on the 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 Philharmonic. It, it, that was like the Sunday morning Philharmonic concert was part of the deal. It was on the radio. You listened to it back in the fifties. Uh, and then we had seventy eight RPM record albums. You know, stacks of seventy eights. A symphony, a Beethoven symphony would be eight discs. Awesome. You know, and you'd have to stack them up. And they would stop and change the disc in the middle of a movement, breaking it up into little sections. But we played that stuff all the time. There was classical music going on in our house. Maybe not every day, but certainly every week. And, And usually multiple days. Then they invented the LP record. Now, the first long play records... 30 RP, 33 RPM records were 10-inch LPs, the very first ones. And my mom got one of those changers, and she brought home from somewhere Josh White. Oh, nice. The Weavers. Nice. A South African couple called Mariah and Miranda. Wow. And Odetta. Nice. Odetta could create shapes in air in the room with her voice. She had the most powerful vocal cords. What a singer. She taught me so much about singing. Wow. I I loved her. Did you used to play the same clubs that she did or whatever when you were starting No, she was was already an established folk artist when I was just a kid. Right, And and so, no, I would have been opening for her. I did open for for Judy Collins. Oh, nice. Where Uh, was that? Do you remember? 
The Exodus in Denver. Oh, wow. My awesome. first big club that I've ever played. Oh, that must. what year was this probably? Like early 60s? Yeah. 1900 and frozen to death. Right, right, right. Yeah, it yeah. has to be in the 60s early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like around 1960. Yeah. Oh, that. yeah, that's interesting. Wow, that must have been amazing. Did she blow your mind? Judy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the girl could sing. Yeah, that's for sure. She's, she's kind of puzzling, you know. She's sort of turned herself into a lounge singer. I, I probably shouldn't say that, but it's the truth. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's kind of a shame because she's actually a really, she was a good folk artist. She, yeah, yeah. she could sing really well and play yeah. really well. Well, actually, my favorite album of hers is Who Knows Where the Time Goes because she was singing a song by Sandy Denny, who was a brilliant British uh, folk singer-songwriter who unfortunately uh, had lots of problems and died falling down the stairs, which is horrible. But Who Knows Where the Time Goes is one of the most beautiful songs ever written, featuring, in Judy's version, a young Stephen Stills right before CSN, actually. And his electric guitar playing is like, it sends chills down my spine. It's so beautiful It's a good player, man. Yeah, yeah. Really, really, really was. You know, he's a problematical guy. I'm pretty sure that he was autistic. And undiagnosed. Autistic, you mean? Yeah, autistic. Yeah. That's what it, it yeah. didn't come out. It came out as artistic, which is a very common slip, actually. Yeah, no, it's, it, yeah. it, it was meant to be autistic and yes. undiagnosed. Yes. Well, he cops to that, too. Yeah, he feels yeah. that, too. Yeah. Well, and he's got two autistic kids, which yeah. lead, leads me to think that's what the story was. He really could play, man. Oh, yeah, totally. When I encountered him, he had a touch, a way with a melody, a oh, way with the time. Yeah, that was just spectacular. Plus, micro control of tone. Mm -hmm. His tone was exquisite. It was like as good as a jazz player's. It was as good as Bill Evans' tone, really. Yeah, you really know? good. Yeah, really, really good. good. I feel that of the three of them, he's the, he's sort of the one I feel, I feel the warmest towards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he he really gave it his all. You yeah, know, yeah. He, he was he's totally egotistical and totally competitive and. And you know, gnarly, and and so we're he, all of you. <laughs> so we're all of us. Yes. Every single one of us. Yes. And we all had our our drug problem. Yes. Know? And I, uh, but I I can't help myself. And somewhere in there, I love him still, kind of because of how yeah. he played. Man. So oh yeah. I, no, I know. No, you know, I uh, I took check this out. I I took my mom to a CSN concert at the Fillmore in San Francisco. And uh, Stephen, and this was not that long ago, it was like five years ago or whatever, Stephen was unexpectedly mind-blowingly ama amazing, which of course excited you and Graham. And I found out later that it was because he had spent the day at Joel Bernstein's house listening to tracks of his old self for his box set. And it fired him up. And he fired up the whole band and it was unbelievable, you know. But I hadn't seen him play like that in a while, unfortunately, you know. Um yeah. I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear how early in CSN's career uh, white powders and hard drugs came on the scene. Um, that was already going on for the first, the so-called Couch album. Am I correct? You are correct. How did, they, how did they come in to the scene? This is what happens when you challenge a really smart guy to challenge you. You asked for it, baby. I asked for it. <laughs> I absolutely did. Yep. You know, people showed up with cocaine and said, hey, it's not addictive or anything. It's really great. You'll love it. It makes you horny. And, uh, and of course, that rang my bell. Yeah. And it does make you feel great and, at first. And yeah. um, 
And of course, it's the most addictive substance on the planet. Right. And it destroyed my life. Yeah. Uh, pretty much single-handedly until the Christine thing happened and then heroin and cocaine destroyed my life. Did you have apprehension that you were pursuing a path that was going to wreck you? Of course. Eventually? Yeah. yeah. I, I, Did people tell you I to stop going early? To psych- I remember trying to start a relationship with a psychiatrist two or three times. Mm-hmm. Saying I'm really worried that right. this thing is taking me over. Right. But they, it didn't work. Uh, yeah. They'd say, well, how do you feel about that? And I'd go, oh, Christ. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were your friends telling you that you're actually getting... I mean, you're a, you have a big personality. This is not news. You have a big personality. You were probably able to dominate people's concerns in a way about you. Like, you know, I know what I'm doing. Like, I, I like to have fun. Who are you to tell me not to have fun, et cetera? Is that true? Also, yeah. they didn't want to fuck with me too much. I was a part of their paycheck. Right. When did you feel like you really started to lose control? Like it was out of, like you, you couldn't, you couldn't titrate it. As soon as I hit the pipe. So that was what year approximately? Don't know. Okay. In the 80s. As soon as I got introduced to the pipe, I went really right down the tube. Might have been the 70s, actually. It might have been the 70s. I don't know. Your backing bed was called the jitters, after all. (laughs) Well, that was snorting cocaine. Okay. You know. Yeah. Eh, You know, drugs were a mistake. Yeah. Let's let's leave it at that. We know that they were. They nearly killed me. And they did absolutely destroy my creative ability. There isn't any question the more drugs I did, the less I created. Right. That's the important factor that we want to get out to human beings out there in the world. Right. They nearly killed me, but they, more importantly, they absolutely, right in front of everybody, destroyed my ability to create art. Right. Destroyed it. Right. Piece by piece until I was not making any art at all. Right. So much for the drugs or an inspiration. Right. Bullshit. They're right. poison. Right. Next. Although different drugs are different, you know. Yeah, different drugs, different drugs. Right. right. I'm not trying to lump cocaine or heroin in with psychedelics or right. weed or any of that. You know, right. that's one of the biggest mistakes the government ever made. They, those idiots in D.C. just say drugs as if they right. were all the same. Right, and conveniently leaving out alcohol as well, which is a drug. Yeah. Right, and it's the, it, only it's their drug. Right, you know, their drugs are, are alcohol and adrenaline. Right, and anger. They like getting angry, being self righteous, and they get that adrenaline rush going with the alcohol. It's really good. They get real stupid. Yeah. But that's one of the main mistakes they make is thinking that they're all the same because they're all totally different. Right. Pot is like beer and wine. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, there's no real harm there. If you did have another 30 years, just off the top of your head, what kinds of uh, musical projects would you love to be working on? I'd love to keep putting together chemistry. Mm-hmm. I'm very good at it. Mm-hmm. I have a sense of it. I can spot it. I know what it is when I see it. I do kind of know how to work it. I can contribute to it. It helps me extend my art out to levels and qualities and and amounts that I could never reach by myself. But in working with another human being, I can achieve stuff that's glorious to me. I want. I like that. I would continue to do that every chance I got. Similarly, looking back at that wasted time, what are the things you could have done back then that you wish you'd done instead of hitting the pipe all day? Create those chemistries. 
Look, Bird CSN, CSN White, that's not bad. CPR, and that's really pretty fucking good. Yeah. That's four right. really good chemistries right. that produced, not talk, right. produced right. evidence. Okay? That's not an accident. I'm good at it. Yeah. Uh, you're a band leader, even though you're never referred to as that. I'm not. I don't yeah. want to lead. I want yeah. to create the chemistry. Right. Well, I, that's what Miles Davis did. Man, kind of blue. I get into a, 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 a band with Mike League. I want him to be the leader because right, he's right. naturally gifted at right. being the leader. Right. I wanted Roger McGuinn to be the leader because yeah. Roger McGuinn is naturally gifted at being a leader. Right. It's he's good at it. Right. You know, uh, Roger Lee is a genius at it. Yeah. Uh, there was nobody in CSNY that I wanted to, to be a leader over me. It was fully competition. Fully, all the time. Except that I'm going to slightly disagree with you because in footage of CSNY, like from 74, you can see you standing in front of Neil, goading him to really rip, you know, in his solos. Like, I feel like you've always been supportive of lead Supportive, players. absolutely. Generative, yeah. yes. A catalyst, yeah. always. Yes. Leader, never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You were never the leader in CSNY. And nobody else was allowed to be either. Right. They all tried. Right. That was the deal, right? They were all trying all the time. Right. Did you feel like Stephen was the leader of the first uh, of CSN? No, I thought he was the most talented singer. Ah, right. He was the best singer and the best songwriter. Right. Hands down. Right. Didn't you think? Uh, Certainly the best guitar player. Well, I liked Guinevere, but yeah. I like Guinevere too, but (laughs) stack it up against Carry On and... I do stack it. I love think the one you're with. Myself, yeah. You know, uh, you know yeah. those songs are. He's a really. He was a really brilliant writer, man, and he yeah. was a really great singer, and he was certainly the best singer in the band, and yeah. and probably still is the best guitar player in the band. One interesting thing is that uh, we were talking before about Deja Vu, and you wrote that in a group of songs right when you'd been k- kicked out of the Birds, more or less. A, a, a group of songs that contained Tamalpais High and the Wall Song and uh, uh, Kids and Dogs and uh, probably Guinevere too. Really, like they were, they were, they were, It's like your best stuff in a way. Stephen Barncard, the producer, calls it a sky drop. Mm-hmm. It really is striking. Uh, and in fact, someday, you know, I'm, I've been sort of annoying to you at various points in your career by advocating for things to be released. Like the song "Kids and Dogs" with that you recorded with Jerry for "If I Can Only Remember My Name." And finally, I love that song. Oh, it's unbelievable! Yeah, it's amazing. But all of those songs you or you did demos of at Hollywood Recorders, including "Laughing," with you doing vocal percussion on "Laughing," and they're all fantastic performances. In the song.
what a great batch of songs. What was going on? And you just met Joni? Like, what was going on with you? What was going on with me was that's who I, I, I was becoming. Yeah. And, and the lesson here is that's who I was before I started to do hard drugs. Yeah. That's who I was. That guy. Yeah. All that. Yeah. That you saw. That's was just the natural flow of things. Right. That's who I was and, and who I am trying to be. Yeah. Uh, and it uh, got derailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There should have been another record that good right after that record. Yeah. Two years later. Right. should have been another one. There wasn't. If they hired me to be a spokesman of anti-hard drug, you know, speeches, yeah, boy, I'd be really good. Yeah, yeah. They can't afford me, but. Right. I mean, even when you were really wasted, unfortunately, I mean, you were making, you made those nice records with Graham, Wind on the Water. and You know, I mean, that stuff is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. I yeah. Mean, yeah, there's, 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 there was, I thought, there was a genuine friendship there. Yeah. And, you know, I had always been looking to have a brother anyway. Yeah. Uh, comrade in arms kind of thing, yeah. you know. And, uh. And and that's that's how it felt. I felt like I was, you know, had a real friend, and I was in a great situation, and I, and and that I didn't have to worry about Neil and Stephen, right? And that instead of competing with them, I had a, somebody who was on my side, right? I'm not sure I was right. Yeah, I know. It makes me really sad to even talk to you about it. Me too. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. But you and Graham's friendship, uh, especially because I'm gay was your visible devotion to each other was a very powerful role model for me. Like when you guys sing together on the BBC 1970 broadcast, you had recently met each other. You sing, you know, beautiful things like Traction in the Rain and Song with No Words. love between you is very visible and very palpable. And I know you both, and I've spoken to you both, including in latter days, and it's it, it breaks my heart too. But I also want to 
give you guys space to work it out. You know what I mean? I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think the the thing to do is be grateful for what there was. Right. There was a, there was, there yeah. was a, a period of time there where we really did make some very good music together. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I think everybody's got to deal with their life as it comes to them, you know, and if those guys are stuck where they are, then they're stuck where they are. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm trying real hard not to be. Right, right, right. Well, you know, something that Neil said recently that became public on Twitter kind of pissed me off a bit when he, you know, sort of dismissed your recent record. They're amazing, yes, you know, by any standard. Them. And they're very you, like anybody. He hasn't heard them. Right, right. He hasn't seen the documentary either. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, that documentary is excellent. A.J. Eaton and Cameron Crowe did a really good job. They did a and wonderful job. Really good job. They, this this thing with Neil and listening to other people's music, man, I... Yeah. 20 years ago, I remember sending Neil something really good yeah. that I had done. Yeah. And he listen to this. Right. And he said, no, I, I, I don't I don't listen to other people's music. Wow. And I said, eh? bullshit. Yeah. You listen to lots of people's music. Yeah. We've kind of kid. I right. know you. Right, right. No, I, I don't, I don't want to. And uh, it was just so ivory tower. Yeah. I, I want to listen to all the fucking music I possibly can. Right. You were berating me last night for not sending you something I mentioned. Like it's, you said, that's what friends do for each other. I think and so. Yeah, I, yeah. You, know, I, you have opened doors for me, man, yeah, and yeah. stuff, and I hopefully I've done it to you. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's exactly what friends are supposed to do yeah. for each other. Yeah. I didn't understand that when he said it. I don't understand it as an attitude. I think he was just—it was just him trying to be mysterious again. Yeah. You know, he's always telling something different than than what you think you're going to hear because that'll that'll make it seem mysterious. He right, loves to right. be mysterious. Right. And uh, he's trying to be Bob. Right. Who does it all the time. Right. Where do you live, Bob? Uh, you're looking at a man that has no home. Yeah. Right. Right. But 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 what is a home? Right. Right. Uh, poor Neil. You should be happy being Neil. Yeah. Graham wants to be Neil. Neil wants to be Bob. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I recently heard that uh, Bob and Allen Ginsberg had gone trick-or-treating in Malibu wearing masks and no one had recognized them. That is a wonderful story. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That is that is pretty hilarious. So um, one of the people who really became one of your main collaborators early on was Jerry Garcia. How did you meet those guys? I'm pretty sure Cantner introduced me to him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gander or Freiburg. Yeah. You got to remember, Paul and, and and David and I were roommates, right? Right. We lived together in, in Venice. And when was that? Just before we started all those groups. Right. Just before, so it would have to be 63. Right, right. 62, 63. And, and you were really inventing, uh, in a way, uh, some of the forms of the counterculture with, like, collective ownership of money and... Well, we, you know, yeah. I mean, we didn't formalize it. Right. But if you had any serious gas, you put it in right. the bowl, right. and then we could buy groceries. It was great. And were you all playing in coffee houses and, and whatnot? We are trying to. Yeah. You know, we are trying to do whatever. And, right. uh, but I'm pretty sure it was, it was Cantner must have done it. Uh, the thing about Jerry, which you know, is that there was serious magic there. Garcia was a, a, like a consummate musician. He worshipped music. 
He ate it for breakfast. He rubbed it in his hair. He fucked it. It fucked him. He loved it with his whole entire being. He wanted the music to come out. He knew it was hiding all around him all the time. Wanted to coax it out of the wall. About the music, about play. He was a magical cat that way. He was as, as flawed and normal a human being as everybody else in every other way. Made all the same mistakes. He was a totally human guy. And I seen all of it. But when it came to the music, he was the priest. He was just marvelous in that way, man. He was instinctive, natural bent. If he could touch a guitar, he'd play something and it would be right. It'd be just right as shit. And it would almost always be right as shit and something you never would have thought of. He was also able to tell stories instrumentally without vocals. Like, he, his solos... He took you someplace. Right, he took you somewhere. And one of the things that I want to play uh, for people listening, uh, you, you can even object it, I'll still play it, is uh, there's a version of the Wall song that you guys recorded with basically the dead minus Weir. On, on, and Jerry's jam keeps going for 10 minutes after the master take fades out. It's so and good. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. It's so good. And it's, it's a very rare thing because the dead were not jamming like that in the studio much. And there's a space like 
You must have had fun working with those guys. Holy shit, yes. I wanted to do it more. If I'd had my way, we would have co-opted them right into it. It would have been Crosby and Nash would have been the two singers, and they would have been the band. Yeah. Uh, and because it was the antithesis of Hollywood. Because they came for the music. Because they were guys who were totally fucking dedicated to it and, and alive and into it and wanted to push the envelope. And I was pretty sure I could drag Nash in that direction. It didn't turn out to be possible. Grateful Dead took off on its own. Everybody loved them because of that spirit that was there. Because they were so completely free and so completely brand new way of doing stuff. I've tried to describe it to people over and over again. I, I'll say this again, and if you've never heard me say it before, then this will be a revelation for you. What they were doing was four main melodic streams improvising together all at the same time, which is, this is going to piss off some people, it's Dixieland. Only they were doing it with much better changes, and they could play a lot better. But it's that four running streams, the bass, the lead guitar, the keyboard, and the second guitar. Man, that's that's Dixieland. That's what it is. That's how it works. Garcia, in the uh, documentary bar by Amir Barlev called Long Strange Trip, describes it as the musicians talking to each other. He said the instruments can talk to each other. It's conversational. And he learned that from bluegrass, really. It's absolutely the truth. Yeah. He did learn it there, and it absolutely is what was going on. Yeah. It was a long conversation. Yeah. And you had, if you listened to it that way, it would take you. Right. On a good night. Right. I've also heard the Grateful Dead be just plunderingly dumb. Right. What were they like to play with? You played Dark Star with them. It was almost impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Stepping feel- into their into their thing. Yeah. Man, you would have had to have been there for six months. Yeah. It was a delicate balance. When I tried to do it, it upset things. It didn't work. It yeah. was like, you know, they were kind about it and everything. But there was no room in there. Yeah. Extract Bob, and then I've got a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob's the second guitar in that band. Yeah. And he, it, they didn't need anybody else playing anything. Yeah. Except the other keyboard. It's a strange thing that, you know, it went through a number of different characters. Yeah. Each each keyboard player changed the character of the band. Right. Big Band was like, that was a different band. For sure. It was... Because there wasn't much keyboard. <laughs> yeah, a little organ. And, you know? and, and yeah. what there was right. was very simple. Right. And but very right. Yeah. Okay. Each guy, Brent, all other amazing. ball of wax. I actually loved him, but yeah. Me too. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh the other people that sat in with him. Yeah. Hornsby. Hornsby was amazing. Astounding. Yeah. He's such an egotistical motherfucker. He's got to prove it to you, and he can. He can. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then he just blazes his way through. Yeah. Uh, and know, when Brent died, Bruce's engagement kept Jerry's musical interest up. Which you did. can hear on the latter day yeah. recordings with Bruce sitting in. Bruce Bruce is yeah. good, man. He's yeah. just difficult. He's right. Marsalis. Yeah. Yeah, The Eyes of the World with Brent Marsalis from Nassau Coliseum 1990 is the last highest Himalayan peak of Grateful Dead music for me. Stunning. Stunning. 
unbelievable. Stunning. Yep. Brantford, man, is a killer fucking player. He's killer. And, and, and they and, all have big ears, and their big ears were really open that night. Really on. Oh, it's amazing. So that's, you yeah. know, that's what that's what it evolved to. Yeah. I, I think, you know, a lot of the people that that love the dead really probably never really understood what the hell was going on. <laughs> we were all trying. <laughs> we were all working our way towards understanding it. That's why it took 20 years to do it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was an it was an ongoing musical education. Um, it's really it's 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 wonderful that those cats are still playing and that they yeah. are still evolving and they still do shit. Yeah, uh, I think I, I like John. Yeah, a lot, and I yeah. think he he and Bobby, what they're doing is is excellent music. I mean, if you listen to that band, yeah, yeah, sure, that's really good, man. Yeah, and uh, and what's his name, uh, bass player. Uh, Oteil Burbridge. Yeah, he's Oteil. unbelievable. He's good, man. So he's a really he's sweet a good guy singer, too, too man. Yeah, nice yeah. cat. Oh, too. beautiful. He can sing Garcia songs and it's it's it breaks your heart. It's lovely. Yeah. It's, he's good. Yeah. Uh I, I like John a lot. I like yeah. John's solo records. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's excellent. Mm -hmm. So I I it's fun to see the story continue to evolve. Right. And each time that they keep going on, you know. You think, oh, well, that was it. And then it's not it. Right. They go for another healthy chemistry of its own, and it right. makes a new it. Right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I bet uh, you tell Bobby that. I got to tell him. Well, you guys should also do some project together sometime. Oh, fuck. I want, what I want is for them to do a cowboy movie. Oh, that would be good. Let me sit in. Do that. <laughs> Attention band members. Please listen to this podcast. Yes, they should play Cowboy Movie. The Dead and Company should play Cowboy Movie with David sitting in. I think we could he spend a half David hour there pretty David just started with easily. Steely Dan and played Wooden Ships. Who do you think you are? Yeah. Play Cowboy Movie. Cowboy Movie, because yeah. and, and, we could kill it. Yeah. We could spend could. a half hour there, no problem. Yeah, yeah. And frankly, I would love to see what would happen. Yep. Because John isn't Jerry. John is John. Right. And he brings his own thing to the party. Yeah. And it's good. Yeah. And I like it. Yeah. And I'd be fascinated to see what happened. Yeah. Uh, absolutely fascinated. Yeah. If we went in low, went in like easy, just yep. telling this tale. Yep. Slowly let it go where it wound that would up. That would be amazing. You know? I think it would be amazing. Yeah. I would love to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would do it in a heartbeat. Train. We were talking 
This is Tom Marshall with Osiris, here to tell you that Freak Flag Flying is brought to you by Pilsner Urkel Beer. In 1842, Pilsner Urkel brewed the world's first golden Pilsner in the city of Pilsen in the Czech Republic. 
It is still brewed in the same brewery today, using the same Czech ingredients. There are a lot of crazy beers out there these days, and sometimes I just need a lager, specifically a Pilsner. Pilsners I find to be crisper and cleaner tasting than other beer types, and Pilsner Urkel I feel has the formula just right. It's not fruity or bitter or overhopped. The malt and hop flavors are just balanced perfectly. They've had 178 years to perfect it. You should give it a try. Pilsner Urkel makes sure that all their beer arrives in the U.S. in less than 31 days. The product is refrigerated the entire time from the brewery in Pilsen to the distributor warehouse in the U.S. to ensure the beer tastes the same here as it does in the brewery in Pilsen. You can find Pilsner Urkel in your local grocery store, available in cans and brown bottles for freshness. To enjoy Pilsner Urkel at its best, consider pouring it into a Pilsner mug. Thank you, Pilsner Urkel. In part because I want to play some of it, uh, I want to talk about uh, some of the stuff that you did with Paul Kantner and Grace Lick and, and those people, the so-called Planet Earth Rock and Roll Orchestra, which was just a name that Paul came up with probably in the studio at Wally Hyders. Um, are you aware of how amazing the album Blows Against the Empire is with the song um, Have You Seen the Stars Tonight? How did that song happen? Paul and I are both science fiction heads, or yep. were. Yep. I still am. Yeah, he was too. We were both Heinlein kids, read them all. Yeah. So the space dream was real, very real for us. We wanted to write a science fiction song, so we said, "Let's yeah. write a science fiction song." Yeah. So, I think I came up with most of the words. I yeah. think I came up with all the words. Um, we just wrote it. Yeah. Uh, the thing about writing about space is like trying to write about the Eiffel Tower. You okay? You can't go right at it. You can't go, it's big and it's tall and it's made out of iron. Right, right. Because that doesn't communicate for shit. Right, right. You have to look at it. A guy looking in his lover's eyes with Eiffel Tower behind her in the foggy night and the moon is coming down through the fog. and You have to see the Eiffel Tower through somebody's eyes. Then you can start to relate to the Eiffel Tower. Well, that's how space is. So instead of trying to write about the glorious sun was shining and the rings were terrific, I said, hey, you want to come up on A deck and look? Yeah. There's some really great stuff to look at tonight.
Have you seen the stars tonight? Would you like to go up on a deck and look at them with me? Have you seen the stars tonight? Would you like to go up for a stroll and keep me company? Do you know we could go? We are free. They ended up, I mean, creating, a, or Paul and Grace ended up sort of writing a whole plot behind the second side of that album um, of hippies taking over a starship, hijacking the starship. Uh, well, that came out of Highline, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Paul actually told me that he wrote Heinlein a letter um, thanking him for his ideas. And Heinlein apparently wrote back and said, gee, thanks. Nobody's ever thanked me for using my ideas before. So, uh I wrote one to him, too. Oh, that's cool. That's great. He was a big deal to us. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, great track on that album is called A Child Is Coming, and the the heart of it is just a three-way vocal improvisation between you, Paul, and Grace. Um, do you remember doing that at all? It's like you, Paul, and Grace, and Jack Cassidy on bass. I don't remember the day, but I remember that we did it. Yeah. And it's what Grace wanted me to do. Oh, she asked you to do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's really beautiful. taken with you know that style of of recording that they had seen me do and in, in 
and if I could only, and uh, that rang their bell. It was as completely open and unorganized and, you know, uh, free as they were in, in, you know, in their approach to everything. So it, it, it was exactly how they wanted to go about making records. It was how they were already going about making records. Right. It was a natural thing. Is it, do you know if there's a lot of material that was not used on both, yeah, if I could only? You or, guys. Sorry. Yeah, there's it's a, this reams is, of secret shit. Yeah, exactly. Reams. It's in my garage. You can never see it. Do you know, I actually convinced you, it took me 10 years, to release one golden chunk of that secret shit, which was called Kids and Dogs. Oh, you, boy. You and Jerry. You'd written Kids and Dogs as part of that Skydrop group of songs. Um, but it's just you and Jerry. And what's hilarious is that the track starts out with you guys, obviously stoned, trying to blow each other's minds with weird chords. And you can actually hear Jerry laugh. When well, somebody... what we do, we it was yeah. a game that we used to play. Okay. We'd get a pulse going. And you'd go, two, three, four, bang. And you'd play a note. He'd play a note too. Neither one of us knew which note the other guy was going to play. So it would make a chord, and we didn't know which chord it was going to make. That's fantastic. Right away, you're in Jerry's territory.
Freak Flag Flying is proud to be sponsored by Vermont Pure CBD. Vermont Pure CBD grows their own organic hemp, processes their own oil, and makes their own products all in Shoreham, Vermont. They use sustainable and natural methods to grow and transform hemp into healthy products, including the highest quality full-spectrum CBD products. They have tinctures and topicals, skin creams and balms, and edibles like CBD dark chocolate and even CBD capsules. Vermont Pure CBD is committed to only using the most natural, unprocessed, sustainable, and local products. They happily choose to pay more for ingredients that meet these criteria to keep the overall quality high and to support responsible producers. Vermont Pure CBD treats every plant, every product, and every customer with the care and respect they deserve. Try it out today. Go to vermontpurecbd.com and enter the code OSIRIS on the shopping cart page to get 15% off your order. Vermont Pure CBD. Enjoy your wellness. When we're not sitting in here being stoned, uh, we're, and I'm not even high today, actually. One of the things we're talking about is your fear of death. Mm. That's, uh, it's practically the theme of the movie, Remember My Name. It is that, not. Well, it is, actually. No, it just catches people's attention because nobody talks about death. Everybody's right. chicken to talk about it. And, and it catches you, caught your attention, it catches everybody's attention because I'm not chicken to talk about it. Right. I'm not obsessed with it. I don't spend my time thinking about death. Yes, you do. No, I do not. Okay. I brought right. it up with you because you wanna, you're one of the only people that I know who's not afraid to talk about anything. Okay. And so I'm willing to go there with you because you're not a chicken shit. You do okay. talk to me about anything. True. And and uh, that's a gift, and I'm grateful for it. Thank you. I want so you to am know I. that. So am I. Uh, that's a bitch, man. Because, okay, the real bitch is that we don't have enough time. Yeah, yeah. We don't have anywhere near enough time. Yeah. I didn't start figuring out who I was until I was in my 50s, for God's sakes. Yeah. And and here I am just now finally having adjusted my life to where I'm happy most of the time. Yeah. And I'm going to die. Yeah. Where the fuck is that at? That sucks. Yeah. You know, it's very tough. Yeah. Uh, I got a dozen things that I still want to learn. There's yeah. like three languages, two sections of history, at least five sciences. And, and I've got a, a wish list of places I want to see. Yeah. Experiences I want to have. Right. That are, that's as long as your goddamn arm. And I, no time. Yeah. And it's worse than that. I wasted years of time that I could have now to use if I hadn't wasted them. You know, regret's a bitch when it's real. You have regrets about stuff that doesn't matter. It's silly. Wasted time, boy. That's that's a bitch. And and I. So here I am. I'm looking at death. I'm. You have a feeling about your own mortality. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. Uh, my feeling is that it's probably imminent. I'm. I am not mm. likely to live too much longer. Mm. And and. And so I, what does that do? Well, it makes you want to get a whole lot of shit done. Mm -hmm. I'm singing every day. So is that is that one of the driving forces behind your last four albums? No, to it's get a driving it force between now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Back in, when I started this last four records, I didn't have this feeling. Now okay. I have the feeling strongly. Okay. Uh, and it's pervasive. It, you know, it's like 
It's not grim. I don't go home and weep at night and because, oh, God, I'm going to die. I just feel the need to get shit done. Right. Because I don't have a lot of time. Right. Uh, I'm working all the time because I can still sing. And if I can still sing, if I still have the scalpel, I should be doing the surgery. I am not as distressed by the death part mm -hmm. as I am by the lack of time. Yeah. The death part, I I don't do it in a regularized, in a fashion to claim to be a Buddhist, mm -hmm. but I think the Buddhists got it right. Mm -hmm. I always have thought that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think I'm going to recycle. Uh, I think that my life energy is going to come around again. We have all I, been here before. I, that's, it's been, I believed yeah. it ever since I yeah. wrote that, and I yeah. still believe it. I think that's how it is. Yeah. I don't think we necessarily will know. I don't think your identity pattern comes back. Right. I think there's ghost prints on the tape. Right. And that's what the deja vu experiences are. Right, right. I knew how to sailboat when I got in it. Right. I think and, I must have done it before. And you knew how to play guitar. I didn't exactly, uh, but I did start singing harmony when I was right, six, right. which is kind of not reasonable. Right, right, right. I think I was a musician before mm -hmm. because it's instinctively there. I kind of mm -hmm. know where I want to go. And I mm -hmm. can't read or write music, either one. Yeah. I have no musical education at all. Yeah. Uh, so, death. Yeah, I wish it weren't coming at me. Yeah. But it's not terror of the thing, death, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as much as frustration with the, I wish I had not wasted that time because I am now down to inches of time, seconds of time, that are hugely precious for me. Right. My value on time has changed drastically from how it was back then. I thought I was mm -hmm. going to have, I thought I had time forever. Right. You think when you're young that you're going to live forever and you're bulletproof. Both. Right. And they're not true. Right. Hello, kids. Pay attention. It's not true. You are not bulletproof and you are not going to live forever. And it came as a shock to me because I certainly behaved as if I was. Right. You know? Yeah. That's the thing about death to me. I'm perfectly willing to, you know, Deal with it the same way everybody does. Mm -hmm. I'll deal with it when I have to deal with it. And I, But I'm pretty sure I'm right about what to do with now. Right. The thing about it that is truly, if you have a certain amount of time, however much it is, 10 days, 10 years, it's not the amount that counts. It's what you're doing with that time. You know, and I'm trying to be as busy being born as I possibly can. Anything for one more. 
the patience to watch the scroll of truth slowly be unrolled. There is a motion here. There is a Send up, send up another one, another spark in the night, and suddenly. This time, it's all right. I watched the greatest miracle take three quarters. If there was a message that you would want to transmit to future generations, what would it be?
Let's limit it more. About music or life? Life. Don't lose hope. Mm -hmm. It can seem very grim. Mm -hmm. It seemed very grim to us when we were being ignored mm -hmm. and the country was roaring to war mm -hmm. in Vietnam where we should, should not have been and mm -hmm. there was no excuse for us to be. Mm -hmm. And every day, hundreds of Americans were getting killed. Mm -hmm. In a war that that we won, it seemed very grim to us. Mm -hmm. We didn't give up. Mm -hmm. You're facing a situation, you young people. You're looking at a broken democracy, and we're asking you to believe in democracy. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at a broken one. Yes, it is broken. Citizens United broke it. There it is. That gave the corporations legitimacy in buying Congress, and that's what they've done. And that means that our Congress does not represent the people who elected it, which is what it's supposed to do. It instead represents the corporations who give it the big money, which is not what it's supposed to do. So it's very tough. Very tough for me to tell you democracy works. Only it does. I beg you to give it another shot. I beg you to vote. You, young people, hold the key. Young people are not voting in the numbers that we expect them to or hope for them to. If you did, if you got off your butts and went out and voted, we could fix this. If we get control of Congress, we can start trying to deal with global warming, which is a real threat. If we don't deal with it, if we do not start now and deal with it, your great-grandchildren might not have any place to live. So we have to deal with it. I have children. That means I have to deal with it. I'm going to fight. We need you, young people, to do that. We need you desperately to vote. We need you to believe, even though you're seeing a broken democracy, we need you to believe in the idea of democracy and come make it work by participating. That's the thing I would tell you the most. Second thing I would tell you is, there is still a tremendous number of people of conscience, people of good conscience, people who are trying consciously to be decent human beings. Lots of them all over the country, every color, every kind, every race, every original country that they came from, every kind of people. And we got them all over the country and they're good human beings. They are still out there. Do not despair because you've got this orange-headed clown making a mockery of decency and intelligence. There are lots of decent, intelligent people out there still. Lots. And you can be one of them. Well, I came upon a child of God. He was walking along the road. I asked him, where are you going? And this he told me Well, I'm going down to Yasker's farm Gonna join in a rock and roll band Gonna get back to the land And set my soul free We are stars 
Do you wish you could write a song that would have the same rallying power as Ohio did when Neil wrote it? In uh, Desperately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been trying. Yeah. I'm convinced there is a really brilliant song in between the person standing there risking their life, actually, standing in the street for what they believe in, mm-hmm. taking it to the streets, right? Mm-hmm. Confronted for the first time in their life, probably, with somebody who's looking at them as a problem. right. Somebody who's angry at them. Somebody's got a club in their hand and a mask over their face. And they're big and they got a helmet. Yeah. And they're telling you to shut the fuck up and back up or I'll hit you. Right. Well, that's a new experience. I know there's a song in there in between those two people. Right. There's a really wonderful song in there. Yeah. About the souls of those human beings. Yeah. I've been trying to write that for a long time. I don't have it. Yeah. I wish to God I did. What I are, did write a pretty good song in, in uh, Capital. Mm-hmm. Capital's pretty good about yeah, the great, money. And went down with yeah. nobody seemed to even notice it. I haven't gotten <laughs> hardly anything back on it. What's funny is that you wrote that song while Obama was still president. And I remember well, thinking, it wasn't about Obama. It's about, about Congress. No, I know that. But what I'm saying is, I, you know, that was then. And I remember listening to it and thinking, well, that's, you know, that's a fairly dark view. Oh boy, did I ever know <laughs> it was prophetic. It's built to impress you, and it works like that. All that white marble and the guards at the door. Detector, the following eyes, geometric patterns covering the floor. The symbols of power, eagles and flags, attendants, assistants, moving like sharks. of citizens, patriotic souls, visiting the capital and the national park. And you think to yourself, this is where it happens. They run the whole damn thing from here. Money to burn, filling up their pockets. They say, say to each other, how do they think, what do they feel? When they come out of those rooms and put on their faces, is anything they say to the cameras real? They come for the power, for 
already man congress mm -hmm. is already being shits yeah. congress let's get this straight right. on record when obama got elected mitch mcconnell sent out a message to the republican party saying whatever he proposes you say no whatever it is i don't care if it's something you agree with you say no or we will run somebody against you for your seat in the next election, and the party will back the other person. I guarantee it. I am the Republican Party, and I guarantee you, you will get pushed out if you say yes to anything he says. Do you understand me? That's what a shit he is. He did that to Obama. Obama's one of the most decent presidents we ever had. Stand-up guy. He's very intelligent. He's a good human being. He's a family guy. Decent man. Got a good sense of humor. And he can dance. He's a nice guy. Yeah. He's a guy that I had tremendous respect for. Yeah. He's one of the main reasons that that uh, Rumpus is, you know, constantly trying to tear him down is that he right. doesn't want to look bad compared to him. Right. Yeah. He fucking hates Obama. Yeah. Why? Because Obama was a decent man. Was yeah. everything that he is not. Right. People respect Obama. Nobody will ever respect Donald. Even the people protecting him from prosecution. Yeah. They don't respect him. They know he's right. just lying back. They right. they're just getting paid. Right. Yeah. All, it's all transactional relationships on that side of the board. Yeah, yeah. With Obama, there was belief. Yeah. 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 Now, this this story of CSNY could end with you guys all just trailing off into the sunset, never talking to each other again or whatever. Yeah, I think so. Is, but is there any way it could go better than that? I don't think so. Mm hmm I think, you know, two of the guys are stuck, and one of the guys, uh, I don't think, can physically do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, for me... Yeah, you know, it, it's a totally different kind of work. Uh, it is fully competitive, and mm -hmm. it did produce some wonderful music. Mm -hmm. uh, there are songs in there that I wish we were singing right now. Like what? Mother Nature on the run in the night. Yeah, I wish we were singing that. Yeah, yeah. Let's impeach the president for lying. Wouldn't be bad. Yeah. We just wrote it too soon, sang it too soon right, from right. the wrong guy. Right. But it's kind of actually exactly true right now. Yeah. And I would love to sing it. Yeah. Loud. Yeah. Neil, you dip switch. Yeah. Every day, man, I get messages. Please, will you fuck Every day. Every, Every day. fucking day. Yep. 
will you please, you're our voice. Will you do your goddamn job? Right. And I understand that. And I understand we're flawed human beings, and that's why we can't put it together with each other. But but the the cost celebra is certainly there. We could do something important if we were together enough to do it. I don't right. think we are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I can't wait around. Right. And you've pursued your own vision so far uh, for the last few as years. As hard as I can. Yeah. I'm working as hard as I can, man. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, yes, if Neil calls me up and says, listen, we got to do a, a, some gigs for, now that Elizabeth Warren is our candidate, we got to do some gigs for in the battleground states. What do you think? Yeah. I say, what time's the bus leave? Yep. I work it out. I don't care if Nash likes me or not. Yeah, yeah. The the purpose would exceed all of that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Given that uh, your son Django could listen to this recording in even 30 or 40 years, what would you want him to know that's sometimes hard for you to say in day-to-day life? I love him. I love him dearly. I have great respect for him. I think he's a wonderful cat. He's brilliant. He's compassionate. You want to understand Django, watch him with a dog. When he's on his knees rubbing a dog's belly, you will see a guy that you would love. There is a wonderful human being in there. I love him dearly. I will love him all my life. I'm very proud of him. That's what I want him to know. seem right scattered here and there one smiling face in a crowd that's angry and scared can't seem to see where it doesn't get worse it's like one good thought getting lost in an angry verse
love. That seems like a perfect note to end on in my conversation with David Crosby, which was a dream come true for me. Deep gratitude to David and Jan Crosby for inviting me to become a part of their daily lives for a few days in the glorious Santa Ynez Valley while we recorded this conversation. Freak Flag Flying is executive produced by Adam Kaplan and Tom Marshall. Interview, narration, and editing by me, Steve Silberman. Mixed and mastered at Telescope Audio. Promotions by Christina Collins and RJB. And thank you all for listening. iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.